Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. What is it about you that you do better than anyone else or that you're known for? Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma and I'm a radio journalist and I've teamed up with my sister Sarah to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. This week's Shoot Your Shot shout out goes to Jodie. She messaged us to say that she'd been in her current job six years. So it'd been a really long time since she'd had a job interview. Um, She said our episodes helped her feel so much more confident going into her interview and she got the job. She also said she's going to share the podcast with all of her friends to help them land their dream jobs too. So thank you so much, Jodie. That's exactly what we like to hear. And congratulations. Spread the word. Spread the word. If you liked one of our episodes, used a tip we sent you, or you want to request something specifically about your situation or industry, slide into our DMs. We would love to help. We want to keep producing the content that you need. We get so excited every time. It's the best. And don't forget, if you have an interview coming up, check out Sarah's one-on-one sessions. You can find out all about it at www. I always, my brain can't do this. I put it last week. I put in too many W's. Let's try that again www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. But basically, it's an hour of power where, you, where you'll come out of there ready to ace your interview. So this week, we have a special guest with us, personal branding expert, founder and director of Yellow Panda Agency, Amanda Williams. Amanda is a political and corporate communications expert, and today she's here to join us to talk all things personal brand, share her own career story, and give us some insights into a career in PR and communications. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You started off your career in politics, as Emma mentioned. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise career. It wasn't one that was actually on my list at the time. (laughs) Never really saw myself working in politics. But once the opportunity had been presented to me, you know, look, I was six months out Mm. from finishing my degree at university. And I thought, look, here's a great opportunity to jump out six months before everyone else and snag a Mm. job before every single person at university is basically looking for a communications role. That's the dream. And were you actually based in Canberra or? Yeah, so I actually spent um, 22 weeks a year in Canberra. So every time Parliament sat, I would have to travel to Canberra. So 
Um, and it wasn't always direct flight either. So sometimes you get a direct flight oh. from the Gold Coast down, but other times you may go through Sydney on one of the little buzz box planes then from Sydney to Canberra. So <laughs> oh, wow. you're averaging about 44 odd flights a year when you're doing the parliamentary sitting week. So there's a lot of travel oh. involved. And Canberra is not that thrilling. I lived there for six years. I love it, but it's, it's not the kind of place you want to be that often if that's not home. <laughs> Well, parliamentary staffers never really get to sightsee when they're in Canberra. We call ourselves yeah. inmates of Parliament House because you're very lucky to <laughs> to leave the compound. And um, apart from a sneaky dinner on a Wednesday night, you know, in town in Monica or Kingston, um, <laughs> there wasn't much of Canberra to be sort of explored during my uh, four to five years that I was travelling down that way. No visits to Mooseheads yeah, or? <laughs> no Moosehead no. visit, no. I have heard <laughs> about Mooseheads. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit iconic. It's such an like a Canberra inside joke. I, apologies to anyone who <laughs> hasn't heard of Mooseheads. So then you had a big career change. Can you tell us about that? What prompted you to reconsider where you were headed with your career? Burnout would probably be the first thing on the list to sort mm. of, you know, it wasn't sustainable for me to keep traveling and working massive hours. So I worked in a, a what we would call a backbench marginal seat. So for people who don't understand mm. the, the lingo there, it means that every time we had a campaign roll around for my particular MP, it was the fight of our lives to keep him in that seat, which meant that, I mean, for a three-year political term, which was what it was back then, the first year after you got back in, you could kind of have a normal life. But then by years two and three, you really couldn't plan holidays or to go anywhere in case there was a snap election called. And, you know, election yeah. sort of campaign hours were like 16 hours a day, no yeah. days off for, you know, 12 weeks or something. It was just mental. So, you know, I was really struggling to try and keep my health at the time. It's quite a funny story because I had been given or offered a job to go and join a state MP's office, which would mean I wouldn't have to travel to Canberra, obviously like a huge pay cut to do that. And when I was considering whether or not I was going to take that job, I was in Canberra one night and it was raining and I went to run across a pedestrian crossing to to jump in an Uber and um, I got run over by a car. Oh, my God. (gasps) I felt like, you know... (sighs) landing on that bonnet and then on the road and then like laying there and waiting for the car to drive over me thank god it didn't but I was still banged up a bit but I thought look there's the sign I was looking for that you know maybe it's time to get out of Canberra and go home and just be safe for a little while and just look after me that story took a turn I was not expecting that (laughs) wow (laughs) oh my god well I'm so grateful you're okay and survived Um, wow, talk about the universe sending you signs, like mm-hmm. quite literally Yeah, that's mowing pretty you hard to ignore Listen that to one. Me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then I guess in terms of like the career change into becoming like mm. an entrepreneur and a founder of a PR agency, um, I think it was just that, you know, so many people used to always say to me, um, you know, you're very entrepreneurially spirited, you know, you're really good at what you do, mm. you're really good at what you do for everyone, you really want to help people. And I was doing all of this extra stuff all the time just to help people outside you know, my specific job role in terms of helping other small businesses sort of stand out and teaching them Mm. tips to social media and trying to help get them in the media by connecting them up with some of my friends in journalism and that sort of thing. So I guess it was sort of, yeah, it was already there and I was really passionate about it. I just had to figure out a way to sort of make the leap from a really secure, stable, you know, career in government with good pay with like, you know, it was so secure and it really set me up that job. So it was hard to, to take that leap. 
Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned your your agency. So Yellow Panda are experts in developing and curating personal brands, in particular for entrepreneur and CEO clients. What do you think is the biggest hurdle people come up against when it comes to building their personal brand? A lot of people don't want to make things about themselves and they get worried that they're going Mm. to come off as being like egotistical yeah in Australia we have a huge issue with tall poppy syndrome I talk about it all the time but if you're a CEO or a founder or a politician it is your job Mm. to promote yourself and what you do like that's part of the job like I meet so many people who say they hate sales there's no way of getting around not being a salesperson in business and if you're not out there promoting yourself and talking about yourself you're missing a huge opportunity, but the worst thing that can happen is that someone's just going to make up their own mind because we do that. We think we know mm. people just based off how they look, how they dress, the car they drive. You know, we're, we, we are masters of playing these assumption games around people's personal lives and the insights as to who they really are. So you've really got to control that narrative. That's why I'm so passionate yeah. about that particular space, that personal branding space. And I guess a lot of what I learned in politics and how to promote a politician to be likable in a community and make vote for them it Mm. translates over into business when you're trying to make like the founder or ceo of a company likable and make people want to work with them or purchase from them or do business with them yeah Yeah. i mean we hear that from our listeners saying oh i'm really uncomfortable selling myself you know i'm not a salesperson i don't you know i don't like kind of storytelling part of the interview they always struggle with and yeah you've we always are like you have to sell yourself like if you're not hyping yourself up who is Absolutely. And you know what? Not all people who have strong personal brands are extroverts or really good at like public speaking or putting themselves out there. There are some incredible introvert, um, you know, business leaders out there doing great things. I think what has set them apart or what has allowed them to develop these personal brands comes down to strategy. So it is much Mm. easier to talk about yourself and know what kind of things to be putting out there about yourself if you've done the work, if you've done the strategy and you've worked out, like what are the stories that you can tell? What are your talking points? Um, And I think once you're comfortable with knowing what you want to put out there, it makes it a lot easier. It's so similar to in an interview context because I think the majority of the work is done on the working out how you want something to come across before you're actually practicing what are you going to say, you know, what interviews are you doing, getting down to the details. You've got to work out what am I trying to communicate here? What's the common thread? What's the theme that I want this person to walk away with? So you've got a growing team across the country. What are the main kind of roles that you generally hire for? I would say that there's probably three at the moment. We like to have experts in their field. So we have someone who mm. is looking after the social media management side of things and they are just their heads, the headspace is in social all the time. Uh, we obviously yeah. have people who uh, have that really strong publicity background. Our most recent hire is someone who spent 12 years as a TV journalist for Channel 9. So they oh, come awesome. across yeah, with wow. um, newsroom experience, really know how to craft a story mm. and really know how to have those conversations um, with the journalist where you are basically, you know, assessing the appetite for different stories you have for clients without mm. annoying that journalist. Like it comes off really genuine yeah. when it's like ex-journo to journo kind of thing, which is really yeah. cool. We have another person with us who comes across from another PR agency. So it's always good to have someone who has been in the agency because I had never worked mm. in an agency. I've created a bespoke agency <laughs> from scratch by just figuring it out and fumbling my own way through it and affecting it until I think that it's what it needs to be. But I think that's the beauty of it. Um, Nothing we do is cookie cutter, right down to Mm. how I've constructed my business, my team, even the programs and the workflow that we have. 
Um, and I think the other thing to mention is that everyone on my team is or is about to be, you know, university qualified as well. So we all have a communications degree. So myself yeah. and everyone, my most recent hire who's coming on full-time next year is finishing her degree this year. She's part-time at the moment, but next year she'll be on the team as well. So I like that. I like having that edge of, you know, everyone's degree qualified here. On that note, it sounds like you hire a lot through relationships, referrals, mm. um, networks, obviously being in that area, you've, you've got an incredible network. What's generally your approach with hiring? Are you hiring based on the most qualified and experienced person? Is it attitude? Is it potential sometimes? What are the things that you kind of look for? Straight off the bat, attitude will trump anything. There's definitely mm. an energy that I look out for. I might say though also the first time I ever employed a full-time person in my agency, I went through a recruiter because I wanted it to be done right as well. Oh, so a lot of yeah. people won't do that. They'll hire friends or family or they'll put an ad on Facebook. But I was so petrified I would make the wrong first hire that I literally yeah. outsourced that to a recruiter and had them find uh, someone who was perfect for me and they basically took the hundreds of applications and whittled it down to a you know Mm. three people someone they thought was good for the business someone they knew I would like and then a bit of a wild card and then I went and did the interviews and chose one out of those three so that's how I went through the first hire but then since then I guess like the work culture and the vibe that we put out um, online has attracted other people who want to work with us and um, our most recent hire that I mentioned before we actually had known each other for about eight years through politics when he was a journalist and I was working in political comms. So we've got a long-term sort of relationship there uh, as sort of mates in the industry. And Mm. we were talking about him joining my team for about 12 months before he started. Wow. So it's that real kind of, you know, leveraging network to hire people and then also for those people finding the next role. We talk about that a lot in terms of building your network what's your kind of pieces of advice for keeping those relationships and can sometimes be difficult to not burn the bridges as you move through your career as well I don't think you ever want to burn any bridges and I've had plenty of opportunities where I could have gone and tattletailed on different MPs (laughs) that I've worked for you know the amount of times the the media have contacted me for comment on some of the more I don't know I don't know. I'm not. Even, I'm not even going to go there now. That's how against it I am. But topical issues. <laughs> they always say, like, be really. You know, it's an old. It's an old. An old saying that people say. You know, be really careful to everyone that you meet on the way up, mm. uh, because you never know when you might meet them on the way back down. Mm. So yeah. I think I've always been someone who tries to have those relationships with people where, uh, if I run into them two minutes, ten minutes, two years from now you can have that conversation and be quite polite and friendly. Uh, And Mm. I think that's the key thing too. I think you can always be friendly. You don't have to be friends with everyone. You don't have to be on everyone's team, but you can always be friendly. And I think that's such great advice. And to respect them professionally, even if you disagree, like, you know, being on opposite sides of politics, for example, Mm -hmm. you may not really share many ideas, but respect that person professionally for what they do. Perspective's huge. You know, everyone has different perspectives. And I think the, the older I get, the more I understand that, the more I look into the psychology behind people's perspective and how they are the people that they are based on their childhood experiences and the people who shaped them and been around them and basically brought them up as adults and then people you know further develop their personal sort of profiles and I guess uh, personalities and values based on who they spend the most time with 
And a lot of the time mm. that's the work family because we actually spend more time at work with the work family yeah. than we do at home with our real family. So that's another thing yeah. when I'm putting my team together, like I want it to be the work family. Like I want to love who I come to work with. I just want the energy. I just want everyone just like vibing yeah. off each other. I want everyone being positive and optimistic, you know, getting in there to help problem solve. You're making it somewhere that people want to come to work. And I think mm. that I'm doing that because I've literally said to my guys, you know, I'm all for flexible workspace. If there are some days you don't want to come to the office and you want to work from home, mm. So cool with that, but they'll say, oh, no, we actually like coming to the office. We like being around yeah, you and the energy and, yeah, so I'm like. <gasps> Makes work so, so awesome. much easier when you have an enjoyable space. Makes the world of difference. Mm, definitely. And um, what interviewer would you say you are? What type? How would you describe your interviewing style? Oh, I'm super mm. conversational. Yeah, that's good. I, I like know that. that when people meet me for the first time, I've, I get the feedback quite often that when people meet me for the first time, I can be quite intimidating. I think that's because I come, I always sort of enter things from a place of confidence. Like I like to go in confident, mm. show that I'm comfortable and I'm confident. And I know what I'm doing and like really show up and just sort of own the room. I don't yeah. like to intimidate people. So I'm wary of that when I go into an interview with someone. The first thing I'm going to try and do as an interviewer is to try and make them feel comfortable. So it's to try and yeah. go, okay, like you're probably freaking out right now thinking I'm this big intimidating boss lady, but I just want you to know yeah. I'm just like you. So I think with Hannah, when she first um, came to start, yeah, when she turned up for her interview, I was on my laptop and I was looking at activewear at the time. And <laughs> she sort of overlooked. She's like, oh, my God, I love that. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm going to get this, 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 and this. And we just bonded straight away over activewear. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I so good because you're right like you don't you don't get the best out of someone in their interview if they're starting out really nervous like even if they're an incredible talented person who'd be great working for you if they're really nervous you're not going to see any of that but if you can get someone to relax and have a conversation then you see a more you know truer reflection of what they're actually like so yeah I'm definitely a fan of a bit of an icebreaker yeah to get the conversation flowing my old journalism tutor at uni used to always tell us when we're doing like audio interviews with people same thing people are so nervous beforehand and like you don't get good content when they're just not warmed up or whatever so she always tells us to ask the very first question what did you have for breakfast this morning and it just throws them off and they laugh and they're like oh Vegemite toast and then we just laugh and then you get into it and they're warmed up same yeah, so I love those questions. I think you learn so much more asking people what they do outside of work or away from their profession. I'm actually looking at it like, mm. what do you do on the weekends? Where yeah, would you go yeah. if you could go on a holiday right now and you didn't have to pay for it? Like things like that. It's actually one of the questions I have too for screening clients. It's like if you were set for life and you never had to make another dollar, like how would you spend your time? Because oh, you can really yeah. tell that these people are like heart-centered, like service-based people who really want to do good and genuinely like, help yeah. people or if they're just in it for the money. And if they're just in it for the money, I generally won't want to work with them. Yeah. And on that note about sometimes you ask that as a question, what are your top favorite questions? Is there some that you always ask or is it sort of change? Mm. I'm pretty random, I guess, in how I approach my conversations. I, I don't tend to go into anything <laughs> being too scripted, but I would say I like to ask what people's hobbies and stuff include on the weekends. I generally would try to figure out like if they're into fitness and that sort of thing, travel. I think like a lot mm. of similar things. What what are some people's favorite books? Like where do you source Ooh. inspiration from is another big one. Like I like to yeah. know who they look up to. Another thing would be like who like who are some of the like idols or thought leaders that you look up to. 
um what's mm. something you just binge watched on netflix that you thought was really cool <laughs> you know like obviously everyone's talking about squid games at the moment so yeah <laughs> yeah it's just interesting i i'd like to say like i'm i'm pretty well across popular culture like i love popular culture i love knowing mm. everything that's sort of like going on right now and and what's what's cool and what's not yeah there's loads of questions out there and i'm very inquisitive by nature like i genuinely love to learn about people one of my favorite things is, is mm. literally meeting new people there's nothing best than <laughs> better than you know like getting to know someone for the first time yeah that curiosity makes for really great interviews because even if you've worked out you know halfway through that this person may not be the right fit for whatever you're looking for you're there's still a person that you might then run into later on in your career or you know as you say kind of be careful who you who you're chatting to and you want to make sure they've still had a good experience as well so what would be your advice for someone who's not necessarily um, an entrepreneur or CEO level building their own personal brand? Maybe it's to do with their career. Maybe they're actively job hunting, but maybe they're just thinking, you know, this is something that is going to pay off for me long term. What are the steps that they can start taking? I mean, do they start doing social media videos, posting stories every day? Is it LinkedIn? I think it's a step backwards and I'm going to tell people yeah. to go on an out-of-body experience. And what I mean by that Ooh. is I want you to go and pretend that you're like the detective and you're going to go and stalk yourself online and you're going to look at, you know, what shows up when I'm looking for myself and, you know, like yeah. go on to Facebook but not, you know, look at your account from a complete mm. stranger and look at everything as if you are a complete stranger checking yourself out for the first time. Google your name, have a look at what shows up, have a look at whether friends have tagged you in some inappropriate photos, we don't know, <laughs> you know, like really have a look at the breadcrumbs that are existing on life that tell your online story mm. of your life because there may be some like things that you want to tidy up there or there yeah. may be absolutely nothing in existence, which means you've done a terrible <laughs> job of having any, any kind of like online profile, which, you know, more often than not, that is actually the case. You know, some people just mm. chose not to be online, but then in this day and age and, you know, with the pandemic, if you're not online, you're kind yeah. of invisible. So you do need to be online. So I guess as a baseline, be on LinkedIn professionally. Make sure that every single section of your profile is filled out. Mm. Uh, bonus points if you go and ask for three recommendations and you get three recommendations written for you as well because, you know, that's yeah. all about trust and social proof. If other people are saying great things about you publicly on your profile, that's going to put you mm. ahead of anyone else. Have a real good think about the type of photo that you want to put up. You don't necessarily have to do a cheesy headshot. You can do something that shows your personality as well. But again, big no-nos. Don't be wearing sunglasses mm. and a hat. <laughs> Cropped photo from the races. Yeah, exactly. Or someone <laughs> else is in the photo and you don't know who's who, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really is about... If that's going to be your first impression online, make sure it's a good one. Make sure the profile is complete, your, your, your image is there. And another thing that's really cool is if you spend a little bit of time really workshopping the, the bio, I guess, like that small snippet that mm. goes under your name, whether it be on LinkedIn or, or, or on Instagram, I think one of the best things to do is that's where you want to show your genius zone. Like what is it about you that you do better than anyone else or that you're known for? And some people don't know mm. this. Sometimes you have to workshop yeah. this with friends and family or coworkers or people who know you. And it's just as simple as literally doing a bit of a poll and saying, hey, guys, like what do you see as my genius zone? Like what do you see that mm. I do that helps other people or has real intrinsic value? And you can yeah. ask a few people around and then you'll get all the answers back and you can kind of look at it and go, hmm. 
And I've done this many times throughout my career and it's always been the same theme that's come back. Everyone has always said, oh, you're really motivational and you kind of inspire me and you make me feel like, you know, like I can do anything and you make me feel like I need to get up off my bum and go do something with myself. Like that's (laughs) the feedback I always get from from what people feel when they're around me. And I guess I'm doing that now in the business. So I am doing that as part of my work. But I mean, obviously we all have resumes, we all have skills. And as I said before, like I will 100% hire for attitude over skills for anyway. So how do you communicate in that bio what it is about you that makes you so different above and beyond the skills? Yeah, it's a bit like the Simon Sinek find your why kind of process and he talks about as well asking other people Absolutely, it's not until you get multiple perspectives that you see the theme across, oh, my family said this and then so does my work friends or my work colleagues. This actually must be a key part of my you know, personality and what people really pick up on and and enjoy about me. So yeah, I I love that advice of stepping back because it's, it's hard to just sit down with a LinkedIn bio and just write it. If you haven't spent time thinking about those things, it's going to be impossible. Sarah, didn't you say you found greater success once you changed your little profile? You have something cool and catchy. Ah, I, I put it as my, my headline on LinkedIn and I just started I changed nothing else about my whole profile and I started getting messages, requests. Um, I put um, culture custodian, talent hunter and people lover because I felt that that was kind of a reflection of the things that I really enjoy about HR and what really gets me going. And I got all these requests. I got all these kind of comments, people asking me to speak on a panel at something and I was like, this is insane. All I did was change that little section to not just say HR professional or you know what your current job is and because that sits underneath your name even if you just comment on something it's so visible so I'm a huge advocate for for coming up with something catchy to put in that little section and what we call it is we call it identifying the white space Mm. so it's like identifying that little space or that little thing that you can do that's going to make you stand out from everyone else and give you a point of difference and a lot of the time that can purely be done by looking at like what is everyone else calling themselves what are they putting down and you'll be like okay same 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 and you'll see like this space this slot that you can just jump into and be like that's it that's that's the space that i can own that's where i can stand on my own two feet and get full credit. Love it. So to finish us off, what would be your advice for someone in particular in the fields of PR communications and marketing to grow their career? Should they try the agency thing? Do they work on client side? You know, is it more general than that? What would you say? First and foremost, if you want to have a thriving career, you need to love what you do. You need to truly be happy Mm. with what you're doing. You really need to have passion for what you're doing. So depending on what lights you up and knowing, mm. I guess, some of that Simon's next stuff, your why, like what yeah. is it that's going to make you get up every day and be happy to go to work and do good work? So for some, it might be that they know that if they were doing sort of public relations or communications or marketing for not-for-profits or causes, that that would bring them mm. great joy. For others, they may have a, a you know a, an interest and a passion for politics as they therefore go and do politics. For me, as an example, I love small business. Like I loved helping business people and leadership yeah. and helping people grow in, in that space. The main thing is whether you go into an agency, you work for a government, you work for a not-for-profit, or you even mm. freelance. Look, some people just go and freelance these days. Like that's awesome as well. The world needs more communicators so whichever route you decide to do just make sure you do it with passion and purpose oh my what a way to end it awesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) so good 
Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I feel like there was so much valuable content in there that definitely translates to the interview setting. I mean, yeah, interviewing and job seeking is putting your personal brand forward. So I think our listeners will find that super valuable. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that follow button in Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. Or better yet, be like Jody and tell someone about the show. That's how we hit the charts and we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss. We've been your job search besties and helped you in some way. There's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.